Hi, and welcome to the Global Changemakers course on menstruation, sexual and reproductive health. This is episode 7 in which we will talk about menstrual management. Hello and welcome to this lesson, part of the Menstruation, Sexual and Reproductive Health course by Global Changemakers. My name is Gabriela Yeager and in this lesson we're going to talk about menstrual management. We will learn the different options available for menstrual hygiene products, the pros and cons of each of them. We'll do a little bit of myth-busting of those options. We'll talk about sustainability in your period, the importance of proper hygiene in managing your period and tools to manage your period. But why is this so important? Menstruation is a natural process. It's part of every woman's uh, life. And um, although that is the case, it is still surrounded by myths. It's a hush-hush subject, rarely discussed, even in the most open of circles. And uh, unfortunately, even well-educated and well-off women often don't know all the choices that are available for menstrual products. And more importantly, they never thought of the implications of choosing one or another product and what this may uh, translate into the environment or their economy. Some data. In 2014, UNESCO made a study which found that as many as one out of 10 girls in Africa will miss school because of their period, accounting for up to 20% of their total education in many cases, making them more likely to drop out altogether. From an economic perspective, many women with small economic means also miss work due to lacking menstrual products or because of infections that are uh, caused by using dirty products or, or not following a proper hygiene in their menstruation management. From an environmental perspective, there are many estimates, but one study found that women using disposable products will need anything from 9,000 to 13,000 tampons or pads in their lifetime. This is only for one woman. And lastly, from a well-being and self-esteem perspective, poor menstrual hygiene not only affects physical health, but also well-being. And a sad example of this just happened last year when a girl met, made the headlines, the international headlines, because she got her period, she stained her uniform, and her teacher called her dirty. She returned home and committed suicide. So all in all, a lack of menstrual hygiene management denies women and girls the right to education, the right to health, and the right to work in favorable conditions, making this a human rights issue. Since this lesson is going to compare, as uh, I mentioned before, all the different products that are out there, and it's meant not only for the general user to compare all the pros and cons and the implications of choosing one or another product, but it's also meant to help activists who are helping in the advancement of girls' rights and education. Therefore, we're going to study products like cloth, which might not be very used um, anymore in your context, but continue to be very used in low-income countries. From a health perspective, using cloth can have the benefit of being a natural, uh, a natural fabric and therefore causing less allergies and irritation. However, 
there are many privacy and stigma issues in, in many contexts and many cultures. Women often don't feel, uh, don't have the space or the private space to dry this cloth, which leads to wearing damp cloth, which can cause serious infections and irritations. From an environmental perspective, in theory, cloth is reused and it can be reused for up to one year. However, not always cloth is uh, being washed and, and uh, reused. Therefore, many times it, it's just disposed, which would uh, eliminate any environmental benefit that it may have. From a cost perspective, cloth is cheap and can be bought by the meter and then subdivided, which makes it an affordable option. The pros and cons of using cloth. From the pro side, cloth is widely available, is cheap, it is not culturally sensitive, and if reused, it can be eco ecologically sound. From a cons perspective, it does not have great absorption, it needs washing and drying, and it has high potential to cause infections due to its mismanagement. Also, there's a high probability of leaks. The second option that we're going to look into today are reusable pads, which are worn externally to the body and fixed to the underwear with Velcro or snaps, and they are washed after use. From a health perspective, they also offer this advantage of being made mostly by natural products, causing less irritation, but it has the same as with cloth, the problem that they need to be properly washed and completely dry, preferably outdoors and sun-dried. From an environmental perspective, as they are meant to be reused, they have a positive mark on this aspect. And from a cost perspective, they are also more cost-effective than, than disposable products, although um, there is a need of an initial investment. So from the pro side, they are easy to do yourself or get readily available. They are not culturally sensitive, they are ecologically sound and economically sound after an initial investment. And from a con side, they need washing and drying. They can lead to infections if they're not properly washed and dried. Um, absorption highly depends on the materials they are made um, and they may move, which might cause leaks. Changing and carrying them can be cumbersome. The third option we have are the disposable pads, which is perhaps the most known and the, the most popular menstrual hygiene product. They are often preferred and considered aspirational by girls and women as they are cited to be reliable, hygienic, comfortable, and easy to use, especially in context with limited privacy. From a health perspective, since most of the commercially available pads have some sort of plastic or adhesive, there is a high potential of irritation. Also, extended wear time can lead to serious infections, which is a big problem in low-income contexts. From an environmental perspective, they have a worse mark as one can get because they are meant to be only used once. From a cost perspective, pads are between 10 and 30 cents, which makes them, when annualized, a very expensive and unaffordable option for low-income women. From the pro side, they are widely available, they are not culturally sensitive, they are practical and handy. From a cons perspective, they can cause vaginosis, rashes and allergies. They can cause chaffing and discomfort since they can rub against the skin and get really sweaty. They have a strong environmental impact 
and they are very expensive over time. The fourth option are tampons, which are absorbent materials made from cotton or rayon inserted into the vagina to absorb menstrual flow. They can be worn for up to eight hours. And in this case, it's particularly important to never wear them longer than this and actually check the recommended wear time of each product because they, this can lead to, to serious uh, health issues. From a health perspective, since they are also made of mixed materials, sometimes they also contain petrol derivatives, which are not uh, very healthy. And as mentioned before, wearing them for longer than eight hours may lead to toxic shock syndrome, which is a rare or fatal disease associated to the use of tampons. From an environmental perspective, tampons are only meant to be to use once, which already makes them very unfriendly option. On top of that, many of these tampons come with assisted applicators, which when made of plastic, add criminally to, uh, to the footprint of this product. From a cost perspective, tampons are between 20 and 40 cents. And in a study that we're going to see at the end of this lesson, you'll see that this is the most expensive menstrual management product. Tampons are an insertion method and therefore they are surrounded by a number of myths. Um, I am only going to mention some of them, but I will leave um, a link to further explanations and detailed descriptions of all of these questions that you may have about tampons. The first one is that they cannot be used by virgins. It's false that they can cause toxic shock syndrome, which is true. As mentioned, it's a rare condition, but it is a condition. That they need to be removed to pee. This is also false. That they can get lost inside you. This is also completely false. It's impossible, anatomically impossible, for a tampon to go any further than it should. And that they can fall out. Um, which is also false. The pros and cons of tampons. On the pro side, they are widely available. They allow for a variety of active sports, so it's possible to swim, do gymnastics, uh, and, and many other active, uh, active sports, uh, which makes them practical and handy. On the cons side, they can cause toxic shock syndrome. They can cause chaffing, discomfort, since they can rub against the skin, they have a very strong environmental impact, they are very expensive over time, and they are culturally sensitive. The next option we have today is period-proof underwear, which is a relatively new concept, or at least this modern version of it. Um, and period-proof underwear is a type of underwear that can absorb menstrual flow. Depending on the model and the brand, they can take up to two worth tampons uh, in liquid. From a health perspective, since the fabric that is in touch with the body are uh, usually natural fabrics, they don't cause irritation, making them a healthy option. As with cloth or uh, reusable pads, they need to be properly washed and dried to avoid any infection. From an environmental point of view, they are very environmentally sound since they can be used for up to two years, obviously depending on the wear and the brand and proper management, but this is usually the lifetime that's cited by, by the companies who produce them. From the cost perspective, 
They can be very expensive. Each pair is from $19 to $23. This is brand depending. But when annualized, this cost is less than that of using disposable products. Since this is a relatively new concept, there are many questions out there about this. And you will get more information from the companies that produce them. They usually have a whole page dedicated to frequently asked questions. I am just going to mention a few. One of the questions that I heard is that they smell, which is not true. The materials are natural, which makes them breathable, that they leak. Since the protection is built in the underwear itself, they don't move, which reduces largely the possibility of leaks when worn in the parameters recommended, that that risk is very small. Another myth is that you need to wear a tampon or a cup on top of it. And although it's a common practice with many women, this is false. Period-proof underwear should be able to absorb the flow that's uh, advertised per product without um, any extra assistance. On the pro side, they are not culturally sensitive. They are comfortable and breathable. They don't move and they are easy to use. On the con side, they need washing and drying. Their use can lead to infections if not properly managed and changing and carrying them can be cumbersome. Also, they require an important initial investment. The final product that we're going to study today is the menstrual cup, which is a non-absorbent bell-shaped device that is inserted into the vagina to collect menstrual flow. It creates a seal and it's held in place by the walls of the vagina. It is typically made of medical-grade silicone, and it collects three times more blood than pads or tampons and needs to be emptied only after 6 to 12 hours, depending on the flow, after which it is rinsed and reinserted if facilities allow. Each menstrual cycle, the cup can be boiled for 5 to 10 minutes, and most manufacturers will offer at least two different sizes. Cups are reusable for five to 10 years. From a health perspective, since they are made of silicone, there's no association with toxic shock syndrome, which makes them a very healthy option. From an environmental perspective, they are fantastic since they can be reused without the need of any other additional product for up to 10 years. From a cost perspective, there is an initial investment for, for cups, but they can be found from 10 to $40. And con when considering that this is the only product that you will need for menstrual management for 10 years, they are clearly the cheapest option available. And now I want to read to you this paragraph that I took from a study that was made by the UNICEF. In this study, the UNICEF compared all different uh, menstrual products available for distribution in, in catastrophes. The reason why I want to read this to you is because I have been a user of the COP for 10 years and I have loved it. And related to, to my work with activists uh, and change makers that are working for, for girls' rights and girls' education, I thought this is the answer to it. Uh, but when discussing this option, a lot of people said this will never fly because it's a culturally sensitive topic and it will not be accepted. Now, 10 years down the line, cops are becoming much more mainstream, if you may. And as you will see, 
the UNICEF found that even in contexts where insertable menstrual products are not known or used, many studies report high acceptability for the COP after initial behavioral barriers are overcome. However, insertion can present other cultural barriers to COP use, as it is incorrectly associated with breaking the hymen and loss of virginity. Education and discussion of myths and perceptions are crucial for the COP acceptability, as well as continued support and access to knowledge. COPs are often perceived as better than pads or cloths in relation to ease, discretion of washing, drying, storing, comfort, leakage protection, other development, quality and length of wear. So for hand washing and a container for boiling and storing are required. No underwear is needed for its use. It is often recommended that cups are rinsed with clean water after emptying and before reinsertion. However, this step is not necessarily required if no water is available in stalls. If desired, an option could be to bring a small bowl of clean water inside the stall to rinse the cup. At the end of the cycle, the cup should be boiled for five to 10 minutes. So there are many myths around the cup and I'm just going to mention a few, but I am going to leave the link to a channel that is dedicated to compare all cups, all sizes, it talks about all the myths, all the different uh, folding methods and all information that you may need about. For now, we're just going to do a little bit of myth busting. The use of cups would lead to their uterus or vaginas getting bigger, which is completely false. The cups are made from silicon, which makes them really flexible. Um, and therefore, they, they fold for insertion that they cannot be used by versions, which again, is not true that they can get lost inside you again not true anatomically impossible for it to go any further than it should that they can fall out also not true that you need to take it out to to pee which is also false you can wear the cup for up to 12 hours uh, without needing to to take it out for using the restroom that they can leak i mentioned here that is false because the the risk when properly used is not there and that they are messy. Again, they do need some little uh, practice and to learn a, a bit of a technique, which is relatively easy. And once that's done, they are not messy at all. The pros and cons of the menstrual cup. On the pro side, they, are, they allow for a variety of active sports. So it's possible to swim, to do yoga, to do any active sport uh, activity uh, that you can think of. They're practical. Uh, they are ecologically sound and they are economically sound. On the con side, they require practice and education. They require uh, an initial investment. Some people find them uncomfortable and they are culturally sensitive. In this day and age, it is impossible not to consider the sustainability aspect of anything in our lives. When it comes to menstrual product, there are many estimations but it is said that a woman will need between 9,000 to 13,000 tampons or pads in her lifetime. Um, and again, this is only per woman. The most commercially available disposable menstrual products are not biodegradable and contain uh, harmful plastics and adhesives that will stay in the planet for hundreds of years. So if you think about it, 
every product of this kind that was ever made and not properly burnt is still in the planet today. In countries where trash disposal is mainly landfills, which is a majority of countries, the chemicals in pads and tampons leach into the ground, polluting soil and water sources, which eventually make their way into the food we eat and the water we drink. Many users still dispose of menstrual hygiene products by flushing them, not only clogging water pipes, but also polluting essential water sources. So from a sustainability perspective, it is really important to switch to a much more uh, ecologically friendly option. Hygiene and periods. I'm going to divide this into the two type of methods, insertion and non-insertion methods for some general guidelines. For non-insertion methods, if using cloth, reusable pads or period-proof underwear, they need to be properly washed with soap and clean water and be completely dry, preferably hung to dry outdoors. Also, it's very important to abide to the maximum use time parameters per product, which is two to four hours for cloth, three to six hours for pads, and a maximum of 12 hours for the period proof underwear. For insertion methods, it's very, very important to have clean hands when inserting tampons or menstrual cups. Tampons may cause toxic shock syndrome, so it's important to use the most natural option if you're using tampons and never wear them for longer than the recommended wear time. Cups only need to be boiled after each period and there is no need to clean them every time you empty them. Although, as mentioned before, you can rinse them with clean water or you can wipe them with a clean tissue. Some potential consequences of poor hygiene practices are urinary tract infections, rashes in, in genitals, reproductive tract infections, cervical cancer, and toxic shock syndrome. And now we are going to compare all the different options available. In this quantitative comparison chart, I am going to use as a reference the study that was made by the UNICEF that I mentioned before. Although in this chart or in this study, period-proof underwear was not considered. So I made calculations based on what the study was looking for in each method. For the menstrual cloth, it's not an insertion method. It is reusable for maximum a year. It can be worn for approximately two to four hours. The amount needed per cycle is one. The price per item is of $2 for a meter by 1.5 meters of fabric. This is obviously meant to be subdivided. And the estimated cost per year is of $2. For the reusable pad, it is also not an insertion method. It is reusable for one year. The wear time is three to six hours. The amount needed per cycle is minimum five. The price per, uh, for one item is $150 to $3. And when uh, annualized, the cost is also one. Uh, 1.5 to $3. The disposable pad is not an insertion method. It is not reusable. It can be worn for three to six hours. The amount needed per cycle is 12 to 22. The price per item is 10 to 30 US cents. And the estimated cost per year is 30 to $90. The menstrual cup is an insertion method. It can be reused for five to 10 years. 
the approximate wear time is six to 12 hours. The amount needed per cycle is one. The price per item is 10 to $40. And the estimated cost per year is one to $8. The tampon is an insertion method. It's not reusable. It can be worn for up to eight hours. The amount per cycle is 12 to 22. The price is 20 to 30 per item, making an annual cost of between 60 to 90 dollars. And the proof underwear is not an insertion method. It's reusable for two years. The wear time is eight to 12 hours. The minimum required per period is three. The price per item is 19 to 23 dollars. And the estimated cost per year is 57 to 69. And now this is another chart which focuses more of a qualitative aspect. This was taken from a blog called Menstrual Matters, which, as the name suggests, studies various aspects of, uh, of menstruation. I really recommend you to check it out and also to find out how they came up with these parameters and these uh, grades per product. You can post this video to, uh, to clearly look at all the different grades, but let's just focus on the results since this is a UK blog and menstrual cloth is not a method that's widely used in the UK. It was not considered in the study, so I was the one who made the grades for that particular product. So in total percentages, the clear winner was the menstrual cup with 94%. Second place is reusable pad for 80%, period-proof underwear, 78%, then menstrual cloth, 68%, then comes the tampon with 60%, and finally, the most popular method was the one with the lowest grade, which is the disposable pad with 58%. Tools to manage your period, whether it is on a on an old-fashioned diary uh, or agenda or an app, it is really important for you to track your period. This will not only make you be much more in touch with your body and learn about it, but it also provides very important information for your physician. These are three apps that we recommend here. Uh, the first one is Clue, which allows you to record health data and it also has on its website a very interesting encyclopedia on sexual and reproductive health that I super recommend for you to check out. Then the second one is MyFlow, which also allows you to record this data and is a women-led company. And Flow, uh, which is also a fantastic app. We have come to the end of the lesson. And usually at Global Changemaker School, we have a little bit of a challenge or homework after each lesson. And in this particular case, if you're a user, I would like you to answer the following questions. What menstrual hygiene product do you use? Based on what we discussed here, um, create your own pros and cons list. And after you do that, ask yourself if you see a reason to change products. For our next step, uh, to take it a little bit further, initiate this conversation with your friends and family, as we believe that this information might add to the conversation and might teach them something new. And of course, if you want, share this course and this presentation. And this is it from me. Please feel free to add your comments or questions to the discussion board at the end of the lesson and also use the, the different 
boards that we have made available uh, for you. You can also find me on LinkedIn, Twitter, or Instagram, and I will leave my handles in the lesson description. Thank you.